Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the age-old question. I'm Rich Price. And I'm Clint Bierman. And on this podcast, we explore questions that people have been debating for ages. Questions about music. And life. We're songwriters, musicians, music fans. And in the 25 years we've been friends, we've been practitioners of the unanswerable. But today... We'll delve into a new question, and we'll talk to some smart people, and we'll come up with the answer. Okay, Clint, what's today's question? Today's question is, what makes the Beatles the greatest band of all time? Part two. That's the age-old question. We're so psyched to be back for episode two of why are the Beatles the greatest band of all time? Here's a quick recap of episode one. The Beatles are my favorite band. Clint? Definitely. In seven years, they made all the moves. They did it without you even realizing they were doing something really sophisticated. They have three of the greatest songwriters of maybe all time in, one in the same band. I love that tension between the cynicism of John and the optimism of Paul. Is it the sum of all parts? Yes, because that is what makes the Beatles the greatest band of all time. They wrote songs together that gave us the whole width of human emotion, right? Creating what we're still doing now. Yes. And defining what we're still doing now. I mean, come on. Come on. (laughs) Come on. All right. Now we're back. So... Where do we go from here, Rich? In part one, we talked mostly about John and Paul. Let's talk about the other half of the Fab Four, because we both agree it was the sum of the parts. Let's start with George. He was the third best writer in the band. I mean, poor guy. Yeah, it's tough competition. Really hard to get his songs in the melting pot for them to work on. Here's the third best writer in the band by a wide margin, right? Like, the only people who would dispute that George is the third best writer in the band would be people in George's immediate family. And yet, he wrote some of the greatest songs of the 20th century. When Sirius XM's The Beatles Channel, which you and I both listen to, like, constantly, did its list of top 100 Beatles songs as voted by the fans, George has three of the top ten. Here Comes the Sun is number three. Here Comes the Sun here comes the sun, I say, it's all right. 
something is number eight. You're asking me where my love And While My Guitar Gently Weeps is number nine. So we'll get to those three songs in a second. But what's interesting is that you have to go to number 70 on the list to find another George composition. That song, If I Needed Someone from Rubber Soul. Now, this one comes out in December 1965. It's recorded two months earlier in October 65. And it features a drone and a Mixolydian harmony, which previews George's fascination with Indian music. Another interesting thing about this song is that George acknowledged it was inspired by listening to the birds, who had themselves been totally influenced by the Beatles. It features the 12-string Rickenbacker that the Beatles sort of introduced to the world in 1964 that Roger McGuinn of the birds decides to pick up after seeing the Beatles. And then Roger writes the Bells of Rhymney. which George admits inspired the guitar line for If I Needed Someone. But let's go back to those three great songs of George's. Here Comes the Sun was written in the spring of 1969 at Eric Clapton's house. George was playing hooky, purposefully missing a band meeting. In his autobiography, George writes that Here Comes the Sun was written at a time when being in the Beatles was like getting to be a businessman. Sign this, sign that. And what's interesting is that meteorological data shows that April of 1969 in southern England set a record for sunlight hours, a record that stood until 1984. So sometimes great songs rely on unusual weather patterns. heard whispers that it's the come together song will be the next american single no if uh, if anything it might be the b-side i think we probably put something out as a single out there i think that's about the best track on the album actually george's track he wrote the song something about his wife at the time patty boyd i mentioned in part one of this episode that frank sinatra called it one of the great love songs of the 20th century his favorite lennon mccartney song not realizing it was by george don't want to leave her now Better believe than how Elvis did it, Ray Charles did it, James Brown, Smokey Robinson, Ike and Tina Turner, and George gave the song to Joe Cocker to do first. I don't want to leave her now No, I believe in The opening lyric came from a song by a young artist that the Beatles had just signed to their new record label, Apple. A young James Taylor had a song called Something in the Way She Moves. There's something in the way she moves A 
looks my way or calls my name. George takes that line and runs with it. Interesting, when George wrote it, he was imagining a Ray Charles type song. So how cool is it that Ray Charles actually recorded it? You're asking me where my love Girl, I don't know. During the Let It Be sessions in January of 69, as cameras are rolling, George is caught seeking some advice on the lyrics. He's stuck on a line. Attracts me like, and he doesn't know where to go. What could it be? Obviously, he finished it and attracts me like no other lover. Attracts me like no other lover. The song ends up being recorded in April 69 for the Abbey Road album. Interesting, April 69, the same month that he writes Here Comes the Sun. While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Now, this is from six months earlier in 1968 when they're recording the White Album. One of the important notes about this recording is that he invites Eric Clapton to play the guitar solo. Clapton was hesitant to play on this track. At the time, no one else but the Beatles played overdubs like that. But George convinces Eric to come in, and he plays the solo on a Les Paul of George's, actually, that Clapton had given to George. interesting that Clapton is an important part of all three of these great George Harrison Beatles songs. Here Comes the Sun, he writes at Eric's house. While My Guitar Gently Weeps, Clapton plays the guitar solo. Something is about Patty Boyd. And the reason that connects to Eric is that Eric Clapton falls in love with George's wife, Patty. And he's so tormented by the fact that he's fallen in love with his best friend's wife that he writes an album that ultimately is Layla and other assorted love songs under the name Derek and the Dominoes, Patty leaves George for Eric. And somehow Eric and George remain best friends. In fact, George plays at the wedding of Eric and Patty. And then Eric and Patty divorce and 
George and Eric continued to be best friends. Something deep inside of you I won't let you write your best friend Talk to me about Ringo. Ringo is, in my opinion, the best song playing drummer of all time, meaning he plays to the song rather than playing for the drums. Right. So he's going to play a part that is not what you'd expect necessarily. Sometimes it's not even a backbeat. It's some weird, like, for example, come together. It's, it's well, a weird part. It's a weird part. I don't know who came up with those parts. I know Paul had a lot to say about drumming. Like Ticket to Ride, which is that weird oh. Tom feel. Yeah. came up with that part okay but i think ringo came up with come together okay uh, the interesting thing with this pattern is that it's actually the bass that opens that song yeah and you know john's words you know that was that's the intro there's no like real verse or anything yeah. and so we're sitting around and it was just like tr playing with what he was saying mm. and with what the the bass line was doing and, you know, trying to find sort of an interesting piece. Because besides this part that comes in several times, the rest of it is just like... It's just like pause, you know what I mean? It's real easy. Yeah. But why we got to this is because, you see, I'm left-handed and I'm playing a right-handed kit. If there's any drummers in here, you see, they usually go, you know, they go round the drum this way. Well, I can't do that. See, I can't go... So I have to get this hand down to roll. So that's why everyone thought, wow, he's a genius, but all he's doing is trying to play backwards. <laughs> he starts fills differently than most drummers. You know who would know about this? Russ. We should call Russ Lawton. Russ Lawton, the drummer for Trey Anastasio Band. He's going to have a lot to say. Russ? Hey. Hey, Russ. We got Clint on the line, too. Hey. So How's it going? Just got together with Ray. We're trying to work on a new record, and uh, that's Ray Peskowski, and you guys are in a band called Solomon. Yep. And you also play with Trey and the Trey Anastasio band together. You're working on a, a record. Ray lives right at the streets, working on some new stuff. I sent him some beats. Oh, where he sends me some stuff. We just trade. It's so fun to have you on our little show, The Age-Old Question. And this week's question is, what makes the Beatles the greatest band of all time? And we've just been talking about Ringo, and we decided yeah. we wanted to talk to an expert at that instrument, someone who plays with incredible feel and plays as a drummer who really serves the song in the way that Ringo did. Curious to hear your thoughts on what was special about Ringo. 
Well, the first thing I think of, and it's so very interesting because I've been, you know, I teach too, and I've been, I actually just bought this book with all the, the drum parts written out. And the first thing I think of is that a swing that he has in his playing, you know, and that's a big thing we talk about a lot, you know, because before him was the 50s, you know what I mean? And I'll, you know, rock around the clock or whatever it may be, Chuck Berry, that's in his playing. <sighs> so say like you're doing like, you're nothing but a hot dog, that's a swing beat, you know right. what I mean? Like a typical beat. That, that was like the standard beat back then, where now it's one and three, two and four. But when, like, when somebody like uh, Little Richard, he wanted his drummer to play more eighth notes, like, but they, they still had so much swing in there inside them that it had more swing to it than just, you know, it has a little more breath to it, you know, between the notes. So Ringo did that. You know, all those songs, I go back and listen, and I'm like, holy smoke, they sound better than ever. As you dig into that stuff, what else has sort of struck you about that playing? Well, you know, it's parts, too. He's got these incredible songs to work with, you know, and imagine, imagine like, okay, come up with a part for this song, like, whoa. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay. Like, okay. I just did something, and I never realized it. It's kind of cool, because you go like, oh, there's no hi-hat on the verse in that song. There's so much air. It's, like, amazing. You know what I mean? That's the magic, is coming up with the magic part, you know? And It's so interesting, Russ, because we've been talking about that song specifically about Paul's bass line in that track. And it's just so incredible and melodic, but Ringo gives Paul the space to play that melodically if he's playing it so open. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I remember you, we did a couple Beatles songs at one point and you, I think it was in Hey Jude, you talk about he started to fill with the opposite hand that was like the natural thing that you would do as a drummer yeah he's left-handed so oh. everything he does he starts when you're playing a right-handed kit you go around the drums you make the lap around the drums right left right left right left right he does it he starts everything with his left so that's how he gets his sound it has a little hesitation in it too <laughs> that's so great so yeah i mean it's like amazing so i mean he's <laughs> All his fills, it was like, got to, got to, to do. So he's starting with his left. He's coming off the hi hat, then he's got to start it with his left. So it's a little bit of hesitation. And ha, you know, think so about cool. those, you know, it's just like, it's like so amazing. Yeah. It's really, it's really funny. we talk about this because I go back and listen to help. I make, I make my students play and it's fast. You know, even I have to like kind of buddy that up on that, that tempo. It's like 186 beats a minute. When do you play that fast anymore, you know? But wow. it's like, but it, it swings. And then the, and he goes into the chorus, it's all left hand. And that Ludwig snare is just ringing. And it's, well, like right now, like some of my students, like I'm going through this book and you do like the regular drum beats. Then you started getting into the dotted stuff. You know, it's more like that. And listen to Lady Madonna. You know, it's got that fast 16th note thing on the bass drum. Even like Tax Man, it's like 136 beats a minute, and it's, it's sharp, it's snappy, and there's no hi hat. <laughs> wow. That's what's cool about it. You'd like, oh, yeah. Right. The one thing that I always loved about Ringo's plan is in the, the really early days, it seemed like he would like crash ride through a lot of yeah. those songs so much energy 
close your eyes, ding, 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 and he's like just crash riding the whole time. It seems like. Yeah, I saw him in that Sullivan man. <laughs> That's how old I am, but I, he was crashing it back then, man. He was hitting it, man. What's it like when you get in the in the studio with Trey? What's because he has sort of a drummer background, doesn't he? Oh yeah, he is. He, he took drum lessons when he was younger. Yeah, when I got that gig, I, I he said, well, "Let's just you got to do this little show, man, at higher ground. Like, you got any beats?" And then I said, "Yeah, I, I've been doing this my whole life, right? Working with original bands." And and he took it and ran with like a lot of these grooves, you know, and, or like even like the tempo thing. And if I'm going on tour with him, I'm sitting around working on the songs, and I'm working on because I'm counting them. I'm, I'm making sure those tempos are dead on, you know. Well, Russ, yeah. this has been so fun to get your expertise and your insight on oh. this. We're having so much fun talking about it. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for asking me. It's an honor, man. I appreciate it so much. And get me going on the drummers. Yeah, man. <laughs> Great. We'll yeah, see bro. you soon, Russ. Thanks. All right, man. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Some of my favorite Ringo parts. Yeah. His Tom fills in A Day in the Life. Uh-huh. He blew his mind out in a car. So weird. So weird. But great. Yep. And hey, Jude. Let's listen to that. To make it better. And anytime you feel the pain, hey, Jude, refrain. Same thing. It's like they're just a little weird. I love the fills that he plays in the bridge of Here Comes the Sun. That's weird time too. In my life, we talked about in my life with the the harpsichord ish solo. Ringo's part, which is this like super simple hi hat snare kick part, is perfect. It's, it's it's what you were talking about. Ringo playing the perfect part for the song. Not overplaying, not underplaying. There are places I remember. But also, like, interesting. Interesting. Like, it, it's, it's like a hook. It's many times he's playing a hook. That is another reason why the Beatles are so good. There's so many little nuggets in their songs. Yes. And the drums being one of them. It's not just doots, cats, doots, right? It's right. Right. It's like your ear is drawn to that. And you, even if you don't know music, you don't know why it's drawn to that, but it's a hook. It's, it's like defining a part of the song that usually isn't defined, I guess. Yes. I think Ringo's favorite drum part of his mm. is Rain. Huh. Oh, I love that song. And he talks about that as being sort of an, almost an out-of-body experience. It's so busy compared to what the parts that he plays the rest of the Beatles' career. But it's just, it's perfect for that song. Let's listen to that. Let the rain 
That's cool. Okay, here's another one that I absolutely love. Oh Darling from Abbey Road. The drumming on this is so slinky and the fills are super busy, but ultimately playing totally to what the song needs. speaking they're the greatest band of all time because of all these things we've mentioned yes but equally important is what they did culturally for the time and for their image and and all those things so they well they were hilarious hilarious and not in a pre-packaged funny way but of course they were pre-packaged in some respects but they were genuinely funny yes and interestingly, they were huge fans of comedy. They were they were fans of The Goon Show, which included a young Peter Sellers. And later, Python. In fact, George Harrison was a huge sort of benefactor of Monty Python. And one of the reasons they were so excited to work with George Martin was because he had produced a lot of those comedy albums that they listened to. We present those friends of royalty, The Goons. <laughs> Is this the Green Sailor Inn? Yes, Mike. Then part seven, in which two travellers arrive at the inn. Oh. <laughs> well, I'd better go and get the beds ready, mate. Oh, yes, yes, mate. Yes, mate. And a bowl of steaming venison and a side of mead for our horse's friends. Who's your horse's friends? We are. Oh. <laughs> and landlord, we want a room with the walls facing inwards, a table laid with your best silver and napier. Yes, sir. And a window overlooking our horse. And a set of knotted sheets hanging therefrom. Yeah. Wait a minute, mate. What, mate? Sheets hanging out the window? Yes, mate. I know what you're going to do, matey. The moment my back's turned, that horse will be up them sheets for a free night's sleep. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Curse it, curse it, curse it, good pipe. He's guessed our plans. All right, landlord, you rumbled us. Put the horse on the bill. Yes, and hurry. Speaking of George Martin... I think this is an age-old question episode unto itself. It's hard to really put into context just how influential he was to them. I don't think the Beatles are the Beatles without George Martin. They were so young, first of all, and didn't really know the industry for one and the studio for another. And he had so much experience by the time he got with them, both in arranging and producing that he really took him under his wing and there wasn't a lot of production in those first records right it was like them in a room recording their live set right exactly but then from rubber soul on it was it was game on in terms of production and the fact that yesterday with a string quartet yeah eleanor rigby that's only strings right and won a grammy i think did it? I think. Deserved a Grammy. One of the greatest songs of all time, easily played on an acoustic guitar, but happened to be just a string quartet. Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice. 
place in the church where a wedding has been It's in a dream None of that happens without George Martin. I'm talking about Eleanor Rigby being a song that could have easily been a guitar song. Yes. When we're talking about Beatlesque, like when you put a string quartet in a pop or like song a, or like a French horn right. in a pop song, right. it's Beatlesque. Beatlesque. So George Martin is definitive of Beatlesque, right? Not he only... helps define what Beatlesque actually means. Right. Almost as much, if not more, than John and Paul. Hmm. Because Beatlesque is going from a major to a minor. Right. That's one that's Paul and John. Yeah. But Beatlesque, in the sense of orchestration, is all George Martin. Right. He cannot be overlooked as why the Beatles are, are so the greatest great. band of all time. What is your favorite Beatles song? I just went through today the Beatles catalog, and it is stupid. It's, it's absolutely impossible for me to pick one song. Yes. I looked at the list, and I do this every couple of years, yep. and it's, first of all, such a short amount of time, such a short amount of time that they were cranking out albums every six months, and those songs are still relevant today. That's impossible. Impossible. Uh, I would say I really love Fool on the Hill. Fool on the Hill is like a dark horse but I, there's something about that tune. I think it's a six chord that just sends me. Along the way, head in a cloud, the man of a thousand voices talking perfectly loud. I love that song as a dark horse. Um, I, I mean, what I will say is that I don't love the early songs more or less than the later songs. I'm a fan of the entire progression of the Beatles. Yes. I love those early songs. Love them. In fact, I was raised, as I'm sure you were... Maybe more on the early songs. Early songs, definitely. That's all I really heard, Yeah, I feel like. I think Rubber Soul is my favorite album. They just sound like they're having fun in the studio. Such a leap and Such bound a leap. above anything that had been made like that. Abbey Road is my favorite album. There's something about that record that... I guess my favorite Beatles song of all time is because. So the way they did that song was, it's a three-part harmony, George, Paul, John, around one mic, sung three times. So it's nine voices singing that. Just, it. Yeah, I get chills thinking about it right now. There's something about how perfect harmony Let's is. Let's listen to it. There's no smoke and mirrors here. This is exactly every syllable, every note that's cut off, every breath is it's perfect. Perfect. You're one of my favorite guitarists. Thank you. Talk to me about the Beatles guitar playing. Well, first of all, there's three great guitar players. And when I say great guitar players, none of them are 
technically proficient in the way that Eddie Van Halen is mm. or in the way that, you know, Ingve Malmsteen or any, we're not talking uh, prodigy guitar players here. What we're talking about is inventive and trend setting guitar players. I would say George, George is the lead guitar player at first. He was copying a lot of the licks of Chuck Berry. Yes. But what he became something, for example, that guitar solo, if you cover that song and don't play that note for note, you get booed off stage. defined the songs by some of his guitar solos. Mm. I actually love the guitar that he plays in Free as a Bird. Oh, yeah. A song that people don't often talk about yeah. in the Beatles canon yeah. for obvious reasons. Yep. But one of the things that I love about that song actually is it's so George Harrison, right. that he, guitar solo. Yeah, he has his own thing for sure. then you've got a song like i guess technically it's in the end is it where they're all battling yeah. yes yeah. explain this song because this is a great moment in in beatles so first of all ringo's got this like quintessential like era defining drum solo the only drum solo correct he takes ever ever in right. the beatles He was copying, I just read this, some other... He copied part of Ron Bushy's drumming on the Iron Butterflies track. Iron Butterfly. That's in exactly, a de Vida. It's exactly what it was. So after the drum solo, there is this guitar battle between Paul, George, and John, and they each take a section, right? So first Paul comes in. Then George plays his. And then John plays his. And then they go through it again. And then they go through it again. What's interesting is they each sound different, obviously. There's three different people playing it. Yes. But even if you don't know anything about music, you know they're different. Yes. There's something different. The tone is different. The, the phrasing is different. Um, and you're talking about three 
of the four people in the band playing guitar solos. That's just a rare... It's rare. It's a rare thing. Here's another cultural thing. The Beatles came onto the scene when the world needed them most. Think about this. Their debut on the Ed Sullivan Show was February 9th, 1964. Basically two months after Kennedy had been shot. Kennedy shot November 22nd, 1963. It's a young, charismatic president. The collective trauma of that event especially on young people, was pretty significant. The Beatles arrived on the scene and they distracted, especially a young generation, from this collective trauma in a way that really defines that whole era. There was the world before February 9th and then the world after February 9th, 1964. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, you mentioned this, like it's like the Big Bang. The odds that these four guys would come together. There's something about the chemistry of those four guys, and they really were the fab four, each as important to the alchemy of that band as the other. So it was chemistry. Yep. It was humor. Yep. It was melodic genius. Yep. It was this teeter-totter between cynicism and optimism. Yep. It was the brilliance of George Martin. Yes. The inventiveness of Jeff Emmerich. Yes. The ingenuity of Brian Epstein. Timing. It was all those things. The Beatles were once in a lifetime. Yes. I don't believe this will ever happen again. So I think we've done it, Clint. I know you and I could keep talking about this for literally the next seven hours. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) But I don't know that we need to. I think we've... I I think we've... Tied a bow on it. Yeah. That's why they are and will always be the greatest band of all time. We've done it again. We've done it again. (laughs) We hope that you will join us next time when we answer another age-old question. Follow us on Instagram at the age-old question. Facebook, The Age-Old Question. We hope this conversation has sparked some ideas and thoughts of your own. Let us know in the comments. But let's be kind, people. Yeah. No hating. No hating. Also, if you're digging the podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash theageoldquestion and consider becoming a part of our Age-Old Question family. With your support, we'll be able to answer many more age-old questions. Thanks. Thanks.